This is the one with Neil Armstrong's foot. A video phone, whatever a video phone is. American graffiti. Post-hypnotic suggestions. Post-hypnotic suggestions. Rory's stupid face. A pregnancy paradox. And a river snog. It's called Day of the Moon. Here we go. We're still on our endless void. All through time and all through space. With Slavine and Angels now. Dalek, Cybers, Uden, wow! Tennant, Smith and Eccleston. And Capaldi, he's the man. Doctor Who is cool again. That was Russell's master plan. Who back when? Reviewing all new Who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna, Amy Pond, Rory, Martha and beyond. Join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be but Who back when? Who Back When? Hello, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land, and welcome to another fantabulous episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Podcast, podcast. That's the one. That's how we're doing it now. Well, I don't know. I was just waiting for you to sabotage it in some way. Yes, it is a podcast and a dog past. I am Punk, and with me in the studio is Drew. Hello, everybody. Hello, Drew. Uh, and today we are talking about Day of the Moon. Yes. Mm. The second of the dark two-parter. The of, second of the dark two-part? Of Moffat's disturbing new cosmic order. <laughs> uh, oh, and we should say, uh, sadly, no Marie today. Nope, nor indeed Jim, the may or may not be fish. <laughs> <laughs> Marie is under the weather and Jim is... Uh, Green around the gills, we assume. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just going to have to make do with uh, the two of us instead. But I am super excited to talk about this. Super duper excited. Not only because it's been ages since the last one, but because I have a feeling that neither one of us will be quite as enthusiastic about this one as not you so much, but certainly the rest of us were about the first one. How wrong you are. (gasps) Oh my goodness, have the tables turned. Get ready for a literal comeuppance. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, shall we start off with a B-scow? Let's. Time for us to synopsize, lubify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? Three months have passed since Amy's trigger-happy tizzy in the Floridian warehouse at the end of the Impossible Astronaut. And while she, Rory, and River are drawing lines on their faces and escaping the feds, the Doctor is babushkaed into a Lego box of ultimate density, ably lifted into place by two average American G.I. Joes. They have a plan, though, and off they plop with Canton Hillbilly Bumblefuck the Three to find the missing girl in the oversized spacesuit, get to the bottom of the silent invasion, and ruin one of the most seminal moments in mankind's history in the process. Scout over, you are welcome. Aren't you just? <laughs> Wonderful. Where do you want to start? Can I start with an apology? Uh, oh, really? Yeah, go for it. I mean, that counts as a question, but it's leading sure. directly to an apology for how curmudgeonly I was last time. Oh, don't... No! I mean, I, I had a good excuse, which is that i just seen the doctor shot dead, and you guys were all like, la la la, what a great time, and I was, <laughs> I was the only one actually feeling it. I don't know how you kept it together. We were assuming that the show would go on? <laughs> well, yes, and that's part of the reason I'm not changing my rating. Oh, really? Because I'm, oh! I'm, well, I, spoilers! No, I mean, I mean, <laughs> for last, I'm apologising, but I'm oh, I see lifting it up because I'm a terrible cynic and I know the limits of the show, the constraints. What I will add to last week's review before we get going on this one. Oh, let's hear it. Is that although I failed to feel much tension for the new American audience with the new Amy preview info dump yeah. that got put on at the beginning, 
their first episode for them to be introduced to i think it was probably a much better one they they don't realize that actually matt smith as the doctor is not definitely faking his own death and goodness we got lucky to see this i mean how often does this happen surprisingly but they don't know that so for them i grant it was a better episode than for me and i just wanted to make that clear okay yeah no that's fair also one more thing yeah all right rory pokes doc when he can't believe he's there the same way doc pokes rory in the oh in the big bang yeah oh that's right isn't it Oh, well well done. Well spotted. Yeah, a little diner poke. Nice, nice, nice. So I've cleared the slate. Where do you want to start? Tabula rasa. <sighs> okay, uh, well, do we want to jump straight into that? No, let's, let's leave that for later. We want to hit the ground running, like Amy. Feet moving again, but at a different speed to part one. Very clever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so since you brought up the, the, the fact that part one of this double feature was probably a better episode for american audiences to start on yeah how do you feel about this second episode viewed from that point of view because in my opinion this second episode is it feels like it's pandering a little bit do you yeah way more than the first episode i think that it's double-edged in the first episode you got the doctor saying we're going to america in 1969 it's the most powerful country in the world and there's the most powerful bloke in the world sitting in the most powerful white house in the world and he's got yeah. the most powerful button in the world yeah, he's got and the Stetson's biggest cool yeah and he's got the biggest nose in the world yeah and- look at that nose i can't do the voice i like I, i'm struggling to think of anything to say in the voice of matt smith that i cannot <laughs> emanate from my mouth yeah but then in this one river has a shootout oh man she is a whirling she is a whirlwind of death yeah and it's so tacky it's such a kitsch scene when she's twirling around in slow-mo shooting everything we also get the doctor with his sonic screwdriver not a weapon but he's he's firing these little green circles at the silence you see i didn't actually notice green yeah, the, circles coming the out two of, the of them are like full-on john wooing the shit out of that scene or john fording the shit out of that scene <laughs> they're, they're like back to back firing different coloured lights at alien bad guys. And it it just didn't feel like what the Doctor normally does. It's like when James Bond went into space in Moonraker and you're like, wow, they they have jumped all the sharks on the planet. Every every single shark. And then, yeah, and then, okay, so fine. Then he's going to sabotage, not sabotage, he's going to augment slash completely screw up the Apollo 11 rockets, whatever. And there is an American flag everywhere. It just feels like, yeah, I get that they want to sell the show, but like, which show are you selling? You know, are you selling the, are you selling this show? Are you changing the show to make it more palatable? I don't know. I was not a huge fan of that. And I say that as a huge fan of American TV, but I keep those things separate. Yeah, I think considering this is the American sort of shift in this series, yeah. that after this, it's going to become a lot less blatant. And you, you need to bring as many people on side at the beginning and then the ratings will fritter away the way they always do through the rest of the series. I think it's partly justified by some of the other messages people are maybe less consciously less obviously being exposed to which one of them i thought was and podcast land may howl that this was the most obvious message i don't know it depends what you're sensitive to is when the doctor or it might be river is saying about how america is already occupied and it it made me think of you know the native american situation like it seemed it seemed a a little barb oh do you think so 
I actually didn't really catch that. I mean, of course, it's actually referring to the silence. Yeah. But, you know, the real-life equivalent is actually... Like, like, the good guys are actually occupying this land, etc. Yeah, yeah, the, the good guys on screen, you know... Y- yeah, that's what I mean. That's whitey I mean. and token black agent. Who was the inept agent in part one, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, okay, I hadn't considered that. Maybe I need to rewatch this, but I, I, I see what you're saying. I can see how that would be a relatively effective Bob. Yeah, and I mean, you get um, Nixon has a bigger role to play in this one. Yeah, he does. And I liked him more in this one than I did in the first one. Yes, but even that itself is double edged because you know what a you know how tricky Dicky turns out to be. Yeah. And and just the, but they play with that in this episode, yeah, which is great, by the way. It is great, but it's like the inanity of his charisma is more than any American can possibly withstand. He just comes up and says something banal like "Your country thanks you," and yeah, they but, all go, but, "Oh, president, oh, can I change my pants and come back?" <laughs> yeah, but but he is. They've done such a good job, in my opinion, of the parody of Nixon in this one. Every single time he enters a room, you just hear... Every single time. There is no orchestra. You know how that could have been better? It's perfect. I love it. If he had walked out of the giant Lego cube, followed by a marching band, a full (laughs) march, like row after row of trombones, and then he smiles, and then he frowns, and it stops. And then he smiles, and he frowns again. And he just does that. Just yeah, they could have done that. I I like that. No, it, it, okay, so maybe I'm contradicting myself from from before a little bit. I felt like some of the Americanisms in this episode they felt like okay, so you're pandering to the audience that you want to expand into. I get that it's a business, but then other items were slightly they were sort of parodying that audience, just like uh, it continuously parodies itself, as in it parodies Britain and British politicians in New Who, right? Yeah, and thereby you reach two audiences who are looking for the diametrically opposite things. Yeah, (laughs) but those items, the parody items, they really worked for me. Actually, there was one gun item that really worked for me as well, and that was the, oh, you don't have guns, welcome to America. But yeah, th- there was a that was definitely a running oh, uh, thread. Yeah, like there were, there were variations on variations of that. Okay. So so I don't know what your problem is, frankly. Yeah, I don't. You know. seem to have talked yourself around to really loving this episode. Well, I do like a lot of it, but I also I I just felt that a lot of the episode was quite meh. You know, it, it was style over substance. The whole orphanage sequence. You didn't like the orphanage sequence. I felt like it was mostly style. It, it was incredibly stylish. It was very well stylized, but there was very little of substance in that sequence. And that took up like 15 minutes. I thought that Karen Gillan did very well in anchoring those 15 minutes. I, I thought okay. that actually her wide-eyed horror and terror, she really took me along with her. And, you know, all last series I was waiting f- to come around to Karen Gillan. And in in this one, I think she did some decent acting along the way. And it was creepy as balls. Was it not creepy as balls? Occasionally. Sure. Dr. Renfrew. Dr. Renfrew is is like an archetype of... It is a beautiful creation of just a guy whose mind has been shot because of... He's forgotten the past like two years, minimum. Name a single character in any fiction who is more haunted than that guy. Renfield. <laughs> who's Renfield? Renfield is the uh, the man who's 
He's sort of the Igor to Dracula. He's the scientist. No, shit, he's an accountant. Uh, and he uh, works with Dracula, and, and, and he's sort of seduced by that dark side, but inevitably he's just taken advantage of by Count Dracula. Uh. He's the guy who ends up in an insane asylum just eating bugs. Uh, yeah, he's a fantastic character. He's he's quite similar in many ways to Renfrew, and I assume Renfrew is a deliberate sort of pastiche of him. Yeah. But, but uh, no, I, I liked that character, but then so much of that scene made no sense. Yeah. Like, so they show up on the doorstep, and it's just like, all right, we've been to every other orphanage. This is the last one <laughs> that, we, that we have on our list. In Florida? In, in a 50-mile radius? In America? Where the fuck are they? I don't know. They're in a cartoon graveyard with... They're in Arkham Orphanage, Exactly. Yeah, that's... Ex- yes, exactly. Stylistically, it doesn't really match up with the rest of the episode. It's, it's a beautiful cartoonish depiction of this insane asylum slash orphanage slash haunted house. Yeah. But it doesn't mesh with the realism of certain other scenes. And it definitely does not mesh with part one of this double feature, in my opinion. Really not even the bit where Rory and River are down there investigating the tunnels? Oh, you know what? I forgot about that a little bit. Yeah. But that's also that's, and the that's like a one-minute scene. The warehouse is also grey and, and dimly lit. Yeah, but it, doesn't, are... but it doesn't have this cartoonish character who's trying to scrub off gigantic red lettering off the walls and who, you know, has lost his mind. I didn't find him cartoonish. I found him comatose. You know, for me, cartoonish has to have some sort of energy to it. And he just was devoid of it. He was a broken man. Okay. Now take the silence in the orphanage. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the bats uh, in the belfry. Yeah. I realize that I'm shitting all over this scene. I'm so sorry. But like, so take, take the silence in this, in the orphanage. What are they doing there? The girl isn't there anymore, right? Oh, no, sorry. She is there, but then she's taken away from there. They're just hanging out in the ceiling. The Based on the lines on Amy's arms and her face, she's encountered the silence over and over and over again. But well, she's, she's still she's, in the room. Why don't they just joy her like they did joy in part one? Because she, those lines are just her looking up and going, shit, the silence, and looking down and looking at the window and looking at her arm. And looking up and going, shit, the silence, and there's number two. And that happens like 60 times. And then she starts oh. using her face. And it's only... Oh, and go- I just realised why they don't shoot her. Because she needs to give birth. Yes. And also it's only on go number 61 that she actually kicks into the detritus on the floor and properly wakes some of them up. Okay. I, I don't have an argument, but I'm still not convinced. You don't have to think it's a good scene. I get that. I get it. It can be OTT. It certainly was, you know, a paradigm. It was skirting pretty close to ridiculous okay it just kept me on the right side of it speaking of the silence yeah we do get a this is jumping all over the place but we do get an actual mention of silence will fall and we get reuse of footage from the last season is it with the silence that we've already discussed on the show meant something completely different but now it's being repurposed for the silence yes how does that fit in do you think do you think it works well i actually watched a video on youtube it's a mercifully brief one because fans have gone in search of are there silence figures in series five anywhere? Like, can you spot them in the background of any shot? Yeah. And the answer essentially is no. Okay. There, there is some, the best thing you get is there are some hooded figures behind certain statues oh. in the Big Bang where the Pandorica is in the museum. 
Okay. And they are sort of lurking in the shadows, and there are a couple of them, and one one is accidentally in shot and hurriedly backs out of shot. <laughs> now, whether that's just crew members, you know, wearing sheets so they won't be noticed and, like, guarding statues because the museum is like, you fucking need to stand there or you can't shoot today, or whether they are actually meant to be silence figures, that isn't even explained. So it could be that you were never meant to spot them. Ah. But people have gone looking for hints, and they haven't really found any good ones. There was there was one part where Amy turned around and looked a bit forgetful. <laughs> and oh. They were like, "Oh yeah, there was definitely yeah, one there. silence." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm fairly certain that when they shot that, Moffat didn't have this fully in mind. I know that later on, he's like, "Yeah, there was a splinter group." No wait. <laughs> Wait, he's Scottish. Wait, wait, wait. yes, and, and Paul McCartney. <laughs> All right. Can you please bloop that? Paul McCartney's just my default. Oh, yeah, I mean, I was playing and then the, the silence came up and they said, yeah, you're really quite good, man. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I wrote most of the songs. John really was just sort of riding my coattails. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> diversion, diversion. D- yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, what the fuck's I talking about? I can't remember. However, can I say something that I this dawned on me? This was a, a marvelous realization for me last night. Uh, we watched this last night, and do you remember in presumably our review of the first episode, we were talking about like, oh, so why are they wearing, wearing suits? Like, why are they in like men in black suits? Yes, you used that very phrase. Yeah, mm. and it dawned on me in this episode the fact that they have been manipulating us since forever. They're not wearing human suits. We are wearing silent suits. Oh, that's clever. Right? It must be. Like, that's just what they wear. It's probably not a normal tie or whatever. Maybe it is a normal tie, but we have somehow, subconsciously, we've been programmed to divert our fashion in a certain direction, and it has obviously mimicked theirs. Yeah, I don't know what... Well, no, I I think what they did is they suggested to us that we build spaceships to take them to the moon yeah they also suggested to us that we develop tailoring to make them suits because oh, i don't know several row we could either just put a whole bunch of corner shops <laughs> or maybe we should have some tailors say the silence yeah yeah no i get it exactly I those parisian tailors are excellent say the silence well i don't know about that says, <laughs> say the cockneys and the Opposite happens in Paris. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm Because I don't know what go. that middle finger's for, but it's not for working a sewing machine. <laughs> that's for Mrs. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> in a loving relationship. Anyway, whatever. Can I do my r- proper Moffat now? Do it, do it. Let's hear your proper Moffat. There's another sect. And this it sounds a bit like Amy Pond, but you know, that's why he cast her. And, and in series five, they tried to do a slightly different thing with the crack. And that's it. That was his explanation. So what is this sect? Sorry, I don't really get it. I, there's a Kavarian sect, Madame Kavarian. We may get to her. And there's just the oh, the rest of the order. Is that the one-eyed cyber lady in this yes. episode? Because I was going to ask you, who who the hell is that? Credited in this episode is Eyepatch Lady. What? So as not to give it away. Oh, Eyepatch Lady. Okay, cool. Because, you know, heaven forbid that we should think that she might come back later on and be of some significance. Oh, she's just an eye patch lady. She's obviously coming back. That, that was quite creepy. I recognised the appearance of this woman, but I, I, do ha- I have a zero recollection of who she is as a character. She's the baby snatcher, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But, uh, well, yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, now I'm the one armed with the spoilers. Uh, I wasn't going to be bilked twice in a row. But I don't remember. Like, are they following her orders? Is she just a henchwoman? <laughs> don't tell me. I, don't I can't remember me. that much. Okay, I've got another question for you then. Of course you do. Is this the same spaceship as in The Lodger? The exact same spaceship, not just another spaceship? Yes, it is. Because the Doctor says, and I don't have a timestamp, but he does say... Something like, oh, uh, the other one was abandoned. I wonder why. Wink, wink. Even more specific than that. Oh. He says... Oh, vodka. Even more specific than that, he says it's very Edwick Road. Or something to that effect. So he gives the exact ah, address. The address of okay, yeah, of where James Corden lived. So yes, that is tied in much better. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm very happy that it is the same one. As well, is, I'm sure, Tracy from America's Daughter. Yeah. Maybe a question here is not so much whether Moffat succeeded or failed in tying everything together, but but is it sensible for the average fan? For the, like, 6.2 of the 7.8 million, let's say, to drop Easter eggs, not just in one series, but over... Across two, series. Yeah, yeah, two and a half. Like, is, is anybody enjoying putting this together, apart from the, the Sherlockian superfans? Do you think that he already had a plan for the silence when he put together that set, though? I, I'm not going to be so bold as to assume, but I'm going to say it is just as likely that not knowing where they're going to take the next season, certainly if they're expanding to a different continent and, and they have to write, rewrite plots to accommodate that, it's very possible that they just have a set. And they go, well, we've invested so much money into this set, let's keep it, we'll probably reuse it at some point, and we'll yeah. just... It's a sci-fi show, we'll just write something to accommodate it, to fit it in. That's right? an equally valid theory. Unless the weakest link gets recommissioned, which is unlikely, then we get another year of... Bingo. Yeah. Assignment set. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen... Oh, what's it called? Uh, Thank You for Smoking? No. Nope. It's a fantastic film. Watch it. Rob Lowe's in it. He's great. But it's a... Wait, is it Rob Lowe? No, it's good-looking Rob Lowe. I can't remember what his name is. Anyway. Leave Schreiber? No. <laughs> <laughs> West Wing. What's his face? Is Rob Lowe in West Wing? Yes. Rob Lowe is what I'm thinking about. Is who am I thinking? It doesn't matter. Rob Lowe is good-looking Rob Lowe. Yeah, exactly. Who might? Who's less good-looking? Wait, hang on. I'm going to figure out who less good-looking Rob Lowe is. One second. <laughs> is it Lee Schreiber? Greg Kinnear is less good-looking Rob Lowe. Yes, you said this to me before. Oh, I have. Have I? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, exactly. Rob Lowe is good-looking. Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear, you're also good-looking. Thank you for listening. Here's my point. So there, there's, a, there's a fantastic scene in Thank You for Smoking where Rob Lowe's character, is like he's trying to get a cigarette into a sci-fi movie. You know, propaganda. And he's like, oh, well, I don't, I'm not really sure how we can get a cigarette. It's an, like a, an oxygen-enriched atmosphere. It's just, it's going to be devastating. It's like, oh, but you know what? It's a sci-fi movie. We just have to write one line into it. Thank God we invented the whatchamacallit. And yeah. that's it. That's what they can do with this, right? It's like, it's, it's a sci-fi show. If ever, ever you don't know what to do or you need an excuse to reuse a piece of furniture or as in a prop, like the spaceship console. You're saying this, but I don't think it was... right a line. I don't think it was that innocent. I think there was some forethought went into it, because that was a mystery at the time, wasn't it? Of who that ship belonged to. We only met the, the ship's doctor, essentially, the automated program that was yeah. running it after the people had disappeared, or, you know, were just out of sight or forgotten, even, maybe. But, yeah, that, that, was, that was an end waiting to be tied up. 
Yeah, but do you think they knew exactly what to tie it up with? It's possible. Okay, not. fine. Yeah, it's possible, but it's not necessary. And now t- tying it up a posteriori makes just as much sense, if not more. Yeah, it could have been the Doctor's daughter's spaceship for all we know. Yeah. That might have been her way back in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're talking. And then, you know, Tennant married her and she was like, mm, I'm going to pop out a kid. You'd better find a plan B. <laughs> So, I have a question. Let's hear it. Did Miriam's beard dar go off when she saw this episode? It did not, and I commented on it as we were watching it. I I said, that is the fakest beard ever. Why is your wig dar not going off? And do you know what she said? I do not. She she claims not to have a wig dar, which is a a blatant lie. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it for about six episodes straight. Huge fib. Uh, yeah, in answer to your question, no, it did not go off. Mine went off. It's a terrible beard. Either that, or Matt Smith can grow an even worse beard than I can. Well, I think the problem is, is that seasons of shooting in Doctor Who are so long, he probably didn't have three months downtime to yeah. grow a proper beard. It's true. That's how long he said he would need to... Well, I suppose that's how long it was in the show. And he, yeah, I read an interview about it. It was like a two-line thing. It was like, in the upcoming series of Doctor Who, Matt Smith has some shitty fake facial hair. (laughs) Read all about it. (laughs) And obviously you jumped on the chance. Yeah. Oh, well done. Seven years late. (laughs) Speaking of shit and cheap. Okay. Don't you think that Valley of the Gods looks a bit like Monument Valley, but not quite as good? It's a real place. It's just up the road from Monument Valley, but it's not on Navajo land. Wait, which one's... Monument Valley. Monument Valley is the one in all the westerns with the huge sandstone stacks. And oh, I thought that was Valley rocks. of the Gods. No, Monument Valley is the one in all in all the cinematic. Okay, all, all the films. But this one was like, are there any cheaper ones nearby? Okay, so wait, so hang on. Which one's Valley of the Gods then? It's just an, another nearby <laughs> valley. Okay, like, <laughs> like the Glen Canyon Dam is just a little way up river from the Hoover Dam. Oh, really? Are there any other dams? Slightly cheaper dams. Yeah. We don't need a massive one. We just need Rory to be on one. Yeah. Yeah. Just just a Rory-sized dam would do. Like, Canton could be stood on one bank and an FBI go on the other, and Rory's in the middle. It it, it needs to be the size of a pedalo. So every single one of them is on... (laughs) Pedalo. Okay, so all of them are on cliff edges. Or roof edges. They're, they're, they're all falling. Or they're Ooh. close to falling to, from something. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, why are they in separate parts of the country if they're all collaborating with Canton? It is extremely... So River is in New York, I think. Is she? She's yes. in New York. Rory is on... <laughs> insert dam here. And Amy is where? Oh, Valley of the Gods. Oh, she's there, yeah. It's all in Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, sort of southwestern. Slash New York. Well, yes, they're close together. River is far away. I mean, River's partying. She, she, well, no, she lives for the, for the doctor. She isn't partying, though. She's She's got an evening gown. Yeah, but that's because she's, you know, she's the James Bond of this series. True. She also has all the lines on her, right? I see you. I see you. They're all fighting silences yeah. slash running away from them. Why do they split up? Why are oh, they, I get it. Because yeah. they have to know the geographical spread of the silence. They come back to the TARDIS and say there are silence in every state and indeed outside the states. There's a whole network of spies. You know, 
I expect that Martha's... Not mother, she's awful. Martha's dad? No, he's feckless. No, I can't bring Martha's family into it. Martha's brother? Yeah, Reggie Yates. No, Reggie Yates isn't alive yet. Martha's <laughs> Martha's capable uncle is involved in some way. Definitely, oh, my, my words. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole network reporting on the silence now. The words out. But yeah, that's that's why they're doing that. But it is an extreme level of subterfuge to go to without that reason. It is a bit odd. It is very odd. I think it also seems. I, well, I guess the main thing. I not my main beef, but one of my main beefs with the silence is that what? So they. They they just let them get away with it. They don't have to. They genuinely don't have to. Amy's already impregnated from from their point of view. It's just like, well, no problem. She's gonna pop out a an astronaut baby very soon, and that's all we need. They could now kill Rory. They could kill Canton. Can they though? Why not? Because they don't need them. Because they've already gone 200 years into the Doctor's future, which is the point at which he gets killed. So if the silence mess with them at this point in the timeline, that doesn't happen. Okay. Okay. Although they, they don't they don't try very hard to stop Canton apparently shooting all of them, do they? Yeah. Okay, going into the Doctor's future, my 200 years also seems as though should like shouldn't they be aware of all of the subterfuge now? Shouldn't they be aware of the Doctor's timeline f- for the next 200 years of his life, which include all of his wheelings and dealings in this episode? I don't think the silence can time travel. So, oh, oh. so I think they're experiencing it linearly. So that's, sometimes they have no Doctors, sometimes they have two. So oh. they're not messing with the timeline, but they don't have that. They don't, they don't know where he's going for the next 190 odd years. They're just okay. satisfied that at that point, the impossible astronaut be, um, kills him. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk about Amy and Rory for a little bit? We should. And their relationship. Oh, definitely. Uh, um, That's how I felt too. Uh, why does Rory take it? He even, he admits in this episode that occasionally he does remember waiting for her for 2,000 years. That is exactly it. It is the sunk cost fallacy. He's like, I put 2,000 years in, another 100 years won't hurt. Yo, boy, Rory, yes, they will. No, son, you should get out and find someone who won't cause you any extra hurt. Forget about the sunk costs. And the, and it's not like, wait, what, what do you mean another 100 years won't hurt? He's waiting that's, to... That's his, that's his imagination. He's like, well, it's bound to pick up with Amy sooner or later. I mean, the snogging frequency is going up all the time. <laughs> Surely the disappointment must hit even harder after 2,000 years of waiting. Of selfless, selfless waiting. What, the disappointment of receiving a message saying, I love it when you drop out of the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, sloppy phrasing aside, that is willfully misleading. I don't care how you dress it up. Yeah. Um, and if that's not Amy Ill- willfully misleading, it's Moffat willfully just being clumsy. Okay, d- d- tell me something else then. Do you think that she actually meant Rory... Or does she just say that later on when she realizes that Rory heard? Oh, I hadn't even thought. Oh, wow, that's that's. Oh, it seems to me like no. She just she wants the doctor. I would like to think no. I I didn't I didn't see it in her performance. But oh, I, I suppose I can't. There's just now a suspicion. Well, as for Rory, you know, he's not entirely assuaged. I think he's st- well until that snog. Oh, Rory. I think he is. Yeah. I think he's written to be. And that, to me, is also quite disappointing. They didn't need to put that in this episode at all. No, no, they didn't. 
I guess it was meant to be a little bit more... Okay, you're an American audience, you're watching this, this is the second episode that you've ever seen of this this TV show. Yeah. How are you going to react to this? Is that is that going to be... A, ooh, I... I'll continue watching this because there's a little, it seems to be a little bit of a romantic three-way here. Like, oh, this could be exciting. This appeals to the Gossip Girl fan in me. Or the Dawson's fan. You know, there's going to be some sort of romantic drama element to this as well. Yeah. Or do you just go, oh, what the fuck am I watching? Like, why would he, he would never stick around. And what are you talking about 2,000 years? We don't know the 2,000 years thing. Yeah, and I'm supposed to like this arrogant guy, this morally questionable ginger yeah. Scottish person. I can barely understand the th- word she's saying. <laughs> but the, her husband doesn't seem very happy, whatever it is. Yeah. And this just complete Mary Sue caricature, this fanboy wank going on all around it in a, in a you know, a blazing sphere of laser bullets. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> I liked this episode. What are you doing to me? Oh, I'm so sorry. You're playing the Marie. I was not a huge fan of this episode. Okay, another question for you. Go for it. Is mankind now immune to the silence? Well, it seems hard to fathom when the Doctor says half a billion people are watching this, and at the time, I think there were three billion people on the planet, so that's a sixth at best. That <laughs> The silence still have, you know, five out of six continents to hide on. Sure. And, and then what? So now all of a sudden people are turning around in bars and they're seeing a silence trap there and they're just like well i guess this means we're gonna pick a fight with you what is that really how mankind will react and will they only remit like what about afterwards yeah what about now when actually the doctor is wildly overestimating our thirst for historical footage and everybody's watching slime videos on youtube exactly instead of learning a single thing that ever happened before today how good would a silence's hands be for making slime, by the oh way? Oh my goodness, oh. so good. That's what they're for. All oh, the squelching, yeah, exactly. That middle finger is there to scoop up the glue and pour in the whatever it is. Wow, we've never been more topical, and we'll never be this topical again. That's right. Yeah. Neither will we want to be. Nope. <laughs> I have another thing about Rory. Let's hear it. Rory says... Sorry, I'm going to see if I can do my Rory. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. Gotta get a bit. Like post-hypnotic suggestion. That's pretty good. Wait, do that again. Say something um, else. You want to be from Birmingham. Uh. Well, well, I, can't, I can't. I can't say anything else now. <laughs> I, all I can say is, like, post-hypnotic suggestion. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> but he's saying it like he knows exactly what that is. Where has Rory's brain expand the 2,000 years? Is that it? I was just there reading. Yeah. He was just lent up against the Pandora all day long. Like, most of the time <laughs> he forgot about the sword, about the defense, everything. He just read a hundred years of Reader's Digest. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the main source of knowledge. Well, I don't uh, know. I mean, people drop it as they walk past on the road. I don't know sure. where he's keeping that shit. <laughs> Actually, no. He, it was in the Vatican. He'd read the entire Vatican archives. Rory knows more than anyone alive knows today. He knows all the secrets that well, then that's dropped out of civilization. Then that's also disappointing to me. Surely he has something better to do than hang... He would be bored with the Doctor if that were the case. Maybe that's... He does say at a point in this episode, the Doctor is dumbsplaining to him, like Rory's been dumbsplaining to the viewer throughout. And Rory's going, I know, I, I know. I was there. Yeah, yeah. So Rory actually does know everything, but he never has a chance to show that because Amy is destroying him emotionally and the Doctor is just shitting on him ele- intellectually. How much of a personality change do you think he underwent over the course of those 2,000 years? And did he revert when the universe rebooted? 
Well, it's like you said, there's a door in his mind. So I, I guess he can choose to be glum and knowledgeable or average and just fairly melancholy. I don't know. <laughs> he's definitely underused across this two-parter. Oh, definitely. The only functions he serves are entirely instrumental. Yeah, and as you pointed out in the, was it, I think, the last episode, the exposition. And that is where the post-hypnotic suggestion comes in here. It's just, all right, well, let's throw in a few other buzzwords that contextualize what the doctor's just said. Yeah, and actually, 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 I was watching this on Netflix with the subtitles on, because sometimes Mm. Doctor Who can get a bit... We get it, Drew, you've got Netflix. Yeah, and I can read (laughs) and type at the same time. Yeah. Okay. And it actually said, Doctor, colon, like post-hypnotic suggestion, because that is a level of sci-fi jargon babble that Rory should not be capable of. Yeah. And (laughs) the the Netflix, you know, schmo at 10pm on a Friday just wants to... Surely Rory wouldn't say this. Yeah, this is Doctor, whatever, this this looks like... (laughs) techno crap it's got to be him <laughs> but no so it it's out of everyone admits it's out of character me the netflix guy or girl whoever you know what was in character what rory breaking the model oh yes that was a great scene i loved it and and when rory goes well, wait what does he say what's the line it's just like oh you know the the great country of America thanks you. <laughs> thanks you for he, your service. Yeah, and then he salutes awkwardly and runs off. It, yeah. it, and the guy in great. response, like, half salutes, but <laughs> yes. nowhere and near d- his head. It's like, <laughs> why am I doing this? <laughs> he exactly changes his mind midway. It's No, that's a great scene. I love that. Good yeah. guy. Good guy there, Rory. Solid. Yeah. Dependable. <laughs> a little too dependable. What's your next one? My next one is the, I mean, it's related to this, the telepathic recorder in the hand. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah, I, I, my line is just, my note is, hand recorder is dumb. <laughs> oh, you think it's dumb? I thought it was great in, in that when Amy was creeping around the house, Yeah. every single second, as happened in the TARDIS, with Canton's hand suddenly flashing. That was great. Yeah, every single second in that Amy scene, you, you thought, when's it going to happen? When, when, when? Is it, why is it? There was absolutely no moment at which you could settle and be like, there's no threat. It was constant. Yeah, that's, uh, I agree, but they had already accomplished that with the lines on their faces, Yeah, as in that effect. You know, when, when Amy's in the Bats in the Belfry room, in that scene... Looking in the window. Exactly, and then all of a sudden there's lightning, and from one second to the next, her reflection has all these lines on it. They've already accomplished that. That's the, that's the effect of, oh my goodness, your hand's, you know, a flashlight. But it's additional because then you get the hand reaching for the doorknob and there's that little tiny flash of red and you're like, I know what happens when the knob won't work. Here's how I would react if the doctor suddenly suggested I'm going to do this to your hand. Right. I'd be like, no, give me a fucking bracelet that blinks instead. Yes. Do that. Don't don't inject a thing into my hand for no reason whatsoever. He doesn't remove them later on. Canton now has a fucking flashlight. He's got a beeper in his hand. And what makes it telepathic? It's not telepathic. That's right. He, yes, they don't good think, point. They don't think into it. It's a recorder. They press a button and it then is, they start talking. Yes, it is manually operated. Yeah. Not via brainwaves. No, exactly. Uh, yeah, you got me there. I think the recorder is dumb. I, it would have been better, in my opinion, if they had all just like, here, everyone put on this bracelet and you can record on it and uh, it'll blink when you record it. Or... Here, put on this bracelet. It's telepathic. When you see one of these, it will catch the thought and store it and turn it into light. Bingo. Yeah. All better options. But then obviously finesse that a little bit. <laughs> there is also a very petty, stupid moment 
in the scene in the TARDIS where the Doctor's got the hologram and the silence up. He's like, take a good long look. Right, it's gone. What did it look like? Back quickly. <laughs> take a good long look. Nope, too late. Gone. <laughs> and that was one take as well. Here's something else that uh, baffled me a little bit. Do you remember Amy took a picture of the one that killed Joy? Maybe that's the picture that they look at in the in the hologram. Maybe that is the picture. But yeah. why not do something with it? Why not have like, all right, so here's the thing. We're going to implant a thing in your hand. And also, we're just going to temporarily store a holographic Im- version of this thing on your eyeball, just in the corner of your eye, so that you are constantly, subconsciously seeing this thing and you are fully aware and you remember the silence. You never forget it. Yeah. The power of association. Yeah. We're going to have a copy of this image on... Here's the thing. We're going to print a copy of this image on our hands, and every time we look in our hands, we're going to remember. Yeah. Do that instead. Yeah. Instead of, like, draw lines, completely meaningless lines on your body, many of which are in, on your face that you will never see without a, a reflective surface, and some of which are on the back of your shoulder. Yeah. Also, you know what? When when they're in the TARDIS and the doctor's saying, "Describe it to me. Describe it to me," and everyone's like, "I can't. I can't. Like, I can't. Or what? What is it?" Has nobody in the Doctor Who universe heard of the scream? It's exactly like the scream. Yeah. You know, Munch is the scream. It's exactly like that. Yeah. Draw Munch is the scream on your hand. There Carry you a print of it around. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, I've got, got an, I've got a bit of electronic kit that you'll like. Oh, I, I, I know I will. Did you spot the Magpie Technology <gasps> EMF meter reader? No. Yes. Where is it? It's what River's using to um, gauge the life support oh, stuff in the spacesuit. Love it. Yeah. No, I missed that. That's wonderful. Oh, nice. <laughs> M- Moffat especially loves the Magpie. It's like yeah. whenever there's a gadget, it's got to be a Magpie. Just pop it in there. There's magpie, magpie stuff in the TARDIS. One of the gadgets on the console is a magpie gadget. Mm. Yeah. Nice. It appeals to Moffat's mechanical mind. Oh, yes, of course. The sequel to George's Marvelous Medicine. What's that? It's a Roald Dahl novel. Oh, I see. <laughs> Moffat's mechanical mind. So, question for you. Did the silence manipulate us into going into space only in order to furnish them with a spacesuit? It, I mean, that's the conclusion the Doctor draws. That they then turn into a different beast altogether. With 19 other kinds of alien tech. Exactly. Good point. <laughs> Why not just use the alien tech? Yeah. It seems like a really big, like a really long game just to get a, a suit that they then hollow out and replace with something else. That they basically turn into a Fremen still suit. I'll tell you what else it is, a really big example of it's a really huge snub to the rtd era because that is exactly the moment at which you mentioned torchwood and the silence all around torchwood and that's where they got their alien tech but moffat's like fuck you previous showrunner (laughs) that never happened before matt smith came along tabula rasa again yeah yeah there was nothing before he uh he showed up yeah it's pretty mean it is a little bit and it also doesn't make a hundred percent sense no but okay okay did you also get satan pit vibes by the way the lines on their faces oh oh i hadn't oh as in the actual guy who's possessed yeah that miriam's wig dar did not go off at the beard but her satan pit dar went off 
Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the religious aspect of this at all, really? Ooh. Oh, I hadn't considered it. There are quite a few things that, that struck me. Okay, let's this hear This may be rightly or wrongly. Uh, I'm intrigued. Let's hear them. Well, it's just the fact that eventually the silence, and as Jim alluded to last week, are revealed to be foot soldiers of a church. Yeah. Now... As but someone, it's a different kind of church. Well, yeah, and the the very term church is a broad church, which is a phrase. Uh, it's, well, that's a Christian <laughs> thing, but you you know what I mean. Uh, I get that you go into a church, and every church is different. Sure. Every single church. So you, you can't, you know, reduce that to a single concept, necessarily. And I also grant that maybe there isn't a better word to use for an organization that lasts thousands of years. Because in human history, we don't have any other examples of that, really. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't, I don't remember much about the the church in question, but I seem to recall that it is not religious; that it is, in fact, more like a political organization. Yeah, I think so. Maybe I, I would hope so. I'm, I'm not damning the idea necessarily, but I am sensitive. Good choice of words. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just. I'm sensitive to when they're in America and they're saying, yes, there's a greater concentration of them here in America and they're in every state and you hear just lazily about the conservative, you know, the Bible Belt or whatever. And, and But is that... Oh, I see. I didn't read that into it. Well, there's no definite identification it, there, but it's... I viewed that as part of the pandering. Yeah. I viewed that oh, as part oh. of the... Yeah, I viewed that as part of the, well, we're in a country that matters the most. We're in the greatest country in the world, in fact, and that's why there are there's a greater concentration of these alien watsits here. All right. They also talk about bringing down Rome. Rome fell. Rome's got a pretty big church. There's a lot of very vague <laughs> associations at work in this episode. Yeah. And they, I haven't thought about it either. And, you know, I'm not one to put religion and sci-fi necessarily against each other but there are sections of the fan base who will and moffat himself is obviously he often does yeah way anti-religion so i can't believe that he didn't do at least some of this knowingly and i frankly resent that i mean sure. it sounds a bit churlish to be objecting to it but oh, that's fine i don't know i mean i also i'd be curious to hear what people in podcast land think of that Yes. Because I, I bet there are lots of people representing lots of different faiths in podcast land. I'd be quite curious to hear, actually. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I mean, it would make a good blog topic. Uh, yeah. Send something in. Are you interested? Yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. Let's read it. And part of my theory to do with this and that Moffat knew what he was doing is that we talked about Jodie Whittaker's era needs a new big baddie. Yeah. Because you got the Daleks and the Cybermen and everyone else is on a lower level. I think this was Moffat's play to join the big three. As conceptual supervillains, you can go back to again and again to be a foe for the Doctor, because you've got the Dalek... Wait, 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 sorry. The silence or that church? The silence, you mean? The silence may oh, okay. be the church, but, but the silence are, you know, the monsters who represent the church. Well, my theory was that the Daleks were... We represent the destruction of humanity by fascism! Ah! The yeah. Cybermen were... We represent the destruction of humanity by technology! Ah! And then the silence was supposed to be... We represent the destruction of humanity by religion! And it oh. didn't really work so well. Oh, I mean, that, that's, that's a, 
a very different kind of trinity. Uh, <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Uh, okay. Uh, I definitely see what you're saying, but I think, mm-hmm. again, I may be misremembering this, but I think you will come to realize actually they're used differently. Okay. As far as I recall, the silents are, they're just, and I, I, I mean, I've thought about this a lot since the last time we encountered them on Who Back When, because it's like, fuck, I've forgotten so much of this show, so I'm obviously thinking about it a lot. But I, as far as I recall, they're just, they're, they're just really, they're, they're like mind jadoon. That's it. And they just happen to be more cerebral. Yeah, but the silents are also employing mind control, essentially. But and n- to an outsider to religion, well, that's what religion looks quite a lot like. Sure. If, sure. If Moffat um, just in- chanced upon this by happy accident and watched the series back, he'd be like, oh, wow, this turned out well. You know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack a little bit, and I'm going to say I think you might be right now. Yeah. But... I think I think maybe you're overestimating the planning that goes into writing this show on the part of Moffat. And I don't... I, I suspect that the whole affiliation with the church, as in the silence's affiliation with the church, that's a post-construct, and that will then effectively retcon what we're seeing now. But as it is being written right now, I love your idea of that trinity. I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I, I'm fully willing to admit that I'm more sensitive to this than, you know, some less than others. I'm not that bothered, but I just, you know, I know Moffat's inclinations, and this will be a theme throughout most of the rest of his run. It, 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 sure, you may be more sensitive to it, but you're also more observant. You're just more likely to pick up on it than I am, for example. Yeah, and it's, and it's you know, people can have their own views on what logic is and where the boundaries of that delineated but i just want to enjoy the show yeah and you're unable to because of this you're saying i am still able to but it it just it just bites at me okay yeah okay i i get it so occasionally they just need to tone it down a little bit don't worry about it the next one's going to be on a pirate ship and no one's going to think about this stuff they don't need to tone it down a bit but i would have preferred it had it been you know sure okay should we just have a brief mention of the snog well i think we should all right. Because we were dancing around this very subject for most of the RTD era. And when's Tennant going to snog Piper? And is this acceptable even in, you know, this hallowed show being sullied with romantic drivel? And here, this is a full on, I mean, I think we pretty much, we pretty much know River's going to be one or the other when in fact she's going to be both. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we know that she is romantically entangled with the Doctor. This isn't the first time for her. I think it's fairly clear already. They are going to get married. She is the Doctor's wife. We have It's been alluded to so heavily that it's all it's been all but advertised. Even the New American fans... No. Yeah. They had it rammed down know. their throats after two episodes. As did uh, Smith in this episode. Indeed! <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it was handled well? I did like River's stupid face afterwards because she got that from Rory. Oh, her oh. dad. There is intergenerational romantic trauma in this episode. <laughs> That's so terrible. <laughs> Rory's like the weak link in her DNA. She's got heartless pond <laughs> badass bitchery and then just t- a time head on the end of her you know her DNA spirals and then somewhere in the middle is lurking the Rory slug. <laughs> 
planted right in the middle of her stupid face. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Alex Kingston did that very well. I, I I agree. I didn't quite understand or possibly think that it was a little bit exaggerated. The whole like, it's not just the first time; it's the last time. Because it's not the last time. We know this as viewers of future seasons of New Who, but also because it's already been spelled out to us. Their lives aren't perfectly opposites, right? Yeah. I learned this fact on Who Back When myself. Why would she feel that, oh, this is the last time? Or why would that make her think of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's natural to despair in that moment and be shocked, but River's a pretty experienced time traveler. She must have figured out that it's not just, you know, reverse correlation. Yeah, slash point. sooner or later she is going to give him uh, his first kiss uh, with her. Yeah. 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 Uh, in it, uh, All in all, I liked it. I was quite happy with it. Really, you like the doctor flapping back to Tyler's going, right, uh, well, uh, yes, um, well, um, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, blimey, also, Mrs. Robinson. Oh. Also, also exaggerated, but I thought it was more characteristic of the Doctor, or certainly of Matt Smith's Doctor, because previously he's been a little bit too James Bondian about it. He's been too debonair and and experienced when he's flirting with her. Yeah. And he started off this double parter as the the petticoat bandit. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. What was so dusty under there as to make him sneeze? That's my question. (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) All right, next topic. <laughs> the next topic <laughs> on that note is Amy is River's mum while we're talking about the family tree. Yeah, exactly. So Amy's knocked up. Uh... Or is she? She is. She isn't. She is. She isn't. She isn't. She is. She is. Well, she is. But what's the TARDIS playing at? Wait, doesn't the TARDIS say... Oh, right. Okay, wait, hang on. So he scans her yep. surreptitiously and... Does he pull that face because the TARDIS tells him unclear? Or does he pull that face because it's like, oh shit, she lied. She is pregnant. No, it's because the, the TARDIS tells him one thing and another. And it is oscillating back between the two. I, I suppose that's Oh, you know the, what? I missed that. I suppose that's the graphical representation of time can be rewritten. This isn't a fixed point yet. Somehow, even though we've seen a fair chunk of River, it's, which is a mystery it, in itself. Yeah, it, it surely River would be flashing in and out of existence at the same time then. All right, going from... Wait, hang on. One more thing about the pregnancy. She told the doctor, but she didn't want Rory to know. Why? It is odd, because at some point she's either going to show or she's going to have to get... Well, I, I suppose it's her plan for the doctor to come by so that he can scan her and assure her that there is no time head. Is that the plan? And then once the doctor gives her the all clear, then she tells Rory? That also makes no sense. Why? Why does it make no sense? To me, it makes perfect sense because I just come up with it. It makes no sense because she tells... Doesn't... Wait, hang on. Did I just blank out on the end of the episode? Doesn't she tell the doctor, no, no, I was just joking. I was just lying. I'm not pregnant. It was a scare. Yes, she does. Yeah. But she must think that she is. Nothing is clear at this point. See, I read it as she thinks that she is. She doesn't want anyone. She doesn't want the doctor to worry about uh, her and like possibly say, you're pregnant. You probably shouldn't be traveling around in the TARDIS because she wants to stay in the TARDIS with the doctor. So she lies and goes, you know what? I'm not pregnant. Uh, The TARDIS itself, you just said, is not entirely clear about what the case is, but I didn't catch that when I saw it. She wouldn't risk the life of her unborn child when she's saying that's exactly what she's concerned about. I, I but she I don't she think she had a temporal miscarriage. I don't think she's concerned anymore because the doctor goes, time head, there's no such thing. 
And by the way, that was a really cute scene. I like that scene. Mm. He's like when he's actually just laughing at it. It's like, what the hell is a time head? Yeah, and then she calls Rory a moron and snogs him, and everything's fine. Yeah, <sighs> back to normal. Okay, reset. So- Tabula rasa again. Bingo bongo. Uh, so skip to the end. She's pregnant. In the future, she's going to give birth to a person who is going to grow up to be a girl who's homeless in New York. Yeah. All right. Just wandering the streets, slightly sooty. Yeah. Wandering around a really, really fake New York. Yeah. A super duper fake. Oh, I like that it's a fake little New York set. She comes upon a homeless man. Yeah, who wasn't Joe Pesci. He's going, hey, kid. <laughs> Huge missed opportunity. Did you think, because for a second I did, did you think when she goes, oh, I'm dying, but it's okay, that she was just going to suck his life essence yes. into her body. 1,000%. <laughs> Absolutely. I thought this guy is done for. He is toast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you did. And it was brilliant that she wasn't. Or no. that he wasn't. Because one of the reasons why I like this episode better than the first one mm. is that the first one sets up the mystery of the doctor's obviously faked his own death. Yeah. And it's just like, well, how long is this going to take? I didn't feel any tension there. This this time, I can see the imagination that we're potentially going to encounter along the way Yeah, via this little girl regenerating. And what is coming next? I don't know. The possibilities are that much broader at this point. Okay. Yeah, I'm super excited. I obviously remember her regenerating a lot. And I think they use that possibly also as an excuse to have her age a little bit more quickly just so they don't they don't have to explain however many let's say 30 years of her life yeah. just go oh she regenerated from a 5 year old to a 10 year old to a 15 year old to a 25 year old you know boom very easy ah oh, that's no that can't be the way it happens Cause don't other, they cuz otherwise I know that she's in school for a little bit well, yeah but if if that was the case then time lord children who hate school, who are bored of school, would intentionally commit suicide so they could skip some <laughs> grades. It'd be like, middle school, fuck this. But I'm going to jump a, off a cliff but a she's not times. a Time Lord. She's not a Time Lord. The TARDIS energy time travel wibble wobble is just the frog DNA in her Jurassic Park body. Like, it's... Right. Right? She's, okay. she's just a, a regular human whose dad used to be made out of plastic, and she, uh, <laughs> she's got a little bit of time travel energy inside her wibbly wobblies. Okay. I reckon. But, but it, oh. yeah, wait, because isn't there a... a this is coming up in a few episodes time as well. Mm. In the Let's Kill Hitler episode, she regenerates there as well, doesn't she? I think so, yeah. And doesn't she regenerate into River Song as we know her? I believe so. And she does that from again, I may be misremembering, but she does that from like a 20 something. Really sorry, Alex Kingston. Feels very ungentlemanly, but like let's say they they just conveniently skip a decade or whatever of of having to write, you know, they they are, are having to write a decade of her life. Yeah. Because otherwise they'd need to think of another excuse. Oh, she spent her 20s being a space pirate. Oh, well, let's see some of that. No, we can't because she never did. I gotcha, yeah. Right? Anyway, I loved the fact that she's regenerating. I'm super curious to see what the next one is, what she does next. Yeah. I think they're all chronological, though. and That would help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not in the Doctor's case. No. Right? Yeah. Cool. All right. Fantastic. Shall we jump into uh, ratings? Let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. I have not prepared anything. 
I no longer remember what I gave the first one. We talked about this before we pressed record. It was four point something. I am not quite as enthused by this part. Unfortunately, this joins the ranks of so many other double features for me where part two doesn't quite live up to the standards set up by part one. And therefore, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go with a 3.5. It, 3.5 is still a very strong rating. And the reason for that is that lots of stuff really works out. I love what they do with Canton in this one. I don't really like Canton chasing them all over the country in the first five minutes of it. But with a limitless budget. Limitless budget and his cronies, his his men in black that just follow him wherever he wants to go. It's like, the fuck is this dude? <laughs> We're now on a building in New York chasing some woman. We don't know. She jumped out of the window. Where did they go after she jumped out of the window, by the way? What did they do? Um. Well, they went downstairs and got a bagel. I don't know. And she's gone. Oh, actually, yeah. He has to lead them out the back, away from the splat that isn't there. Yeah, yeah. I she did- vaporized mi- in midair. I didn't necessarily like what they did with him in the first five minutes, but I really like what they do with him afterwards. Why? Because we haven't talked about Canton really. Oh, that's actually true. What we does the actor bring to it that makes you like him? Uh, this is more the actor than the character. I really like him. I I loved him, in fact, in Firefly. I loved him in Battlestar. And he just has this charisma that I I enjoy seeing him on screen. In addition to that, his character is just kind of cool. Like, he has the guts to stand up to the president of the United States. And he gets away with it. And the president sort of respects him for it. It's really nice. I even like the little bit at the end where they go, all oh, right, so who's your wife? Oh, well, actually, I have a husband or no, I have a fiance. Oh, I can't remember. You know the thing. All oh, right, so he's he's gay. And then there's a teeny tiny exchange between him and Nixon in which Nixon kind of just goes, yeah, I get it. Unfortunately, the times don't. I don't know if that's entirely yeah. accurate in terms of portraying Nixon. Nixon said but- something like, we can only get to the moon in the 60s, not Uranus. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Dreadful. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, I like him as a character, so I think that's... Sorry, I like him as an actor, and I think he has charisma, so it's more that than the writing of him. I like, in general, what they do with the silence, as in, conceptually, I like them, but I'm deducting points from this episode because of everything that they did wrong with the silence. The silence just lets everyone get away with shit too easily. The silence wouldn't let one of their own be filmed with a video phone to then be projected onto, like, the thing makes no sense. And also, poor Armstrong, poor mankind to have lost one of the most watched and loved clips of human history. That clip is now ruined forever because there's a fucking munch scream in the middle of it for the service of a greater good and we forget about that anyway oh i see after we've seen it we only remember one small step for man and nary you know a delay (laughs) one giant leap for mankind there we go that's all we clock from that oh i guess i guess that's true and also you talk about the silence being stolen they specifically take the silence into the lego box so that no other silences can interfere Wait. wait 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 what when the injured silence that he, that Canton is videoing with the yeah. video phone, that takes place inside the Lego box. So they yeah. do put some thought into, well, the other silence would clearly go and get him back, but they can't, not, not when they're in that. But that one silence who's shot and dying, yeah. he wouldn't do that, or she wouldn't do that. It wouldn't do that. It would not give in so easily. If it gets angry, even when it's in the Lego box, it just vaporizes people. 
It's not back to full power. It's barely alive. Well, it should have vaporized Canton the Third before then. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like they did some stuff a little bit wrong with this. Canton has to turn up at the Doctor's death. Leon, we've been through this. We have. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. When I was looking up images for part one of this double feature for the website, that got hacked today. One image came up, and I don't know if it's from part one or if it's from later on, but it was a just a freeze frame of the beach, of the beach scene, yep. and there is someone standing behind their parked car. And I don't know if that's a silence, or if that's maybe the future doctor, or if that is, oh sorry, the past doctor, or if it's past Canton, or whatever. But, I don't know. I agree. I'm looking forward to seeing that on the website. <laughs> Fantastic. 3.5. Let's right. hear yours. You'd think they'd make Storm Cage out of that really easily obtainable zero balance dwarf star alloy or whatever, <laughs> wouldn't you? No one in the universe can get in or out of this. But River Song, let's just put her in, I don't know, a prefab shed <laughs> orbiting, you know, a shopping mall or whatever the fuck they've got going on up there. Goodness sake. Anyway, that's irrelevant. <laughs> a huge amount of stuff happens in this episode. Yep. And there are quick scenes and there are slow scenes and it's really taut and. It didn't lose me, and it's it's very good, but it doesn't feel overly rushed. True. And we get a good payoff, retconning the footage of the moon landing, something we can't help forgetting. I've already talked about the little girl and how she's brought more imagination and potential to the rest of this series. Nixon's oily, which is what I want. I want oily Nixon. I want him to be <laughs> slippery and lubed up and just unctuous. Oh, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> Doc's fine. Canton's okay. I have no... But charismatic as balls. He's confident, but he doesn't wow me with his charisma. All right, fine. Yeah, Karen Gillan, I think she's fine, except when she's clumsily fainting at love triangulation, and that's Moffat's fault. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, say that again. What was the last thing? Karen Gillan? Yeah. What what does she do? She's clumsily fainting, F-E, at love triangulation. Yeah. When she gives the ambiguous message, and it could be for Rory, or it could be the oh, doctor. I mean, that's just yeah, pointless. Yeah. yeah, not her fault. Yeah. Arthur Darville and Alex Kingston are competent at being made to suffer, so there's symmetry there, but there's little of joy. Doctor Who is going darker, and perhaps at the time, this was a fun distraction, trying to compete with American peak TV, but in May's Britain, it seems like just another manifestation of the eternal death of hope. That's the first time I've heard you say Maze Britain. Yeah. Oh, how sad. But that's not Moffat's fault. No. Or is it? (laughs) Good overall. I'm going to utterly capitulate and go with you and give it a 3.5. Nice. (laughs) Let's listen to some Listener Minis, shall we? Let's do that. (laughs) Listener Minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250. Or it would get out of hand. So we got some then. We do. The first one comes from Tracy from America. Hello, Tracy. Tracy says, let me start by saying I'm so glad last week's next time segment showed the little girl was okay because my daughter was extremely concerned. Tracy continues, while I could talk about the many interesting or poignant bits of this episode, sidebar Tracy, that's not the most promising beginning. (laughs) There's something I'd like to say about its narrative structure. 
In Classic Who and other shows of that era, you had access to viewing at time of broadcast only. Shows made today are readily available for rewatch. Coupled with the advent of social media bringing better ways for fans to connect, this yields an almost entirely new viewing experience. Call it the watch versus rewatch phenomenon. Mm. Older shows were designed to be watched a single time. Impactful details needed to be understandable the first time. The narrative had to be mostly linear for clarity. Shows made today can be convoluted, messy, and confusing narratively, because if it doesn't make sense, you can re-watch it or connect with fans who have. In this case, it also bears re-watching after the season is done to connect all the dots, so to speak. This bears on what I was saying earlier, and this is all very well, but this is BBC One primetime. <laughs> the 6.2 million, they are not doing this. Those poor sods. That's true. Okay, wait, let's put a pin on that, let's put a pin on that. Okay. Tracy continues with her point. As a rewatch episode, there is so much going on here. The plot is thick. Uh-huh. The plot thickens thicker. And so on. There are many unanswered questions. Who's a little goyle? Who's that in the <laughs> eye patch? What's up with that pregnancy scan? We will stay tuned to find out. Stray comment. Are they taping phone calls because of the doctor? Did the doctor cause Watergate? Yeah, and did Nixon just happen to forget? this, you know, otherwise unremarkable episode <laughs> in his early presidency. I suppose, actually, they did land on the moon that day. If you're going to remember one thing from 69, he's going to remember the moon. He's not going to remember installing a tape recording system. Oh, yeah, I guess. Okay, okay. Sorry, I was thinking that through live. <laughs> Apologies, podcast land. Tracy gives it a rating of pretzels galore, which is pretty harsh considering that Young River Song starved to death in New York, Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) In addition to this fantastic mini, Tracy has left us with a bonus segment. She says, I'm going to leave you with an exchange from the end of the episode between me and my daughter. Amy has just asked the doc if her hypothetical baby might have a time head. Then it cuts to the little girl regenerating. Daughter. Amy. Me? That's a different actor than the one who plays young Amy. Daughter. Baby! Amy! Amy's baby! That's her! Well done! Tracy from America's daughter! (laughs) And uh, well done, Tracy from America. People who are not Tracy, you can follow Tracy online. She is at... Yeah, cutting your enough. That's Fountain Tracy backwards. Next up, a new guy. Or is he? Or is he? Because his name is given as Jim the Fish. (laughs) So this may be someone we don't know, or it could be Jim. We have no idea. <laughs> but they have something to say. Uh, in either case, welcome to Listener Miniland, Jim the Fish. Yeah, that's what I meant to start with, <laughs> rather than casting doubts and aspersions on your identity. <laughs> right, so Jim the Fish starts off. This episode embodies everything that is wrong about seasons six and seven. The build-up is huge. And the payout is always convoluted or contrived. Or as Tracy says, rewatch value. <laughs> First, they make you believe that the Doctor is totally dead. It's definitely him, and he's definitely dead. We're not lying. But they were. It's like in comics when Superman dies, when Captain America was part of Hydra. They always say... There's no catch. <laughs> and there's always a catch. For the record, you can say that he can't die because it's about him, but then you're implying that he never should have bought into it, and the whole thing is dumb. This is also where River's character goes completely downhill. She was meant to kill him, but won't, so they randomly put her in an automated astronaut suit. 
This also plays to the point earlier. They say River killed the doctor. It was totally her, but it wasn't. It was some suit. She was put in it. The doctor's solution is literally genocide against a race he doesn't understand, and he uses humans as mindless killing machines. That is an excellent point. That is, I hadn't thought about that. Yes, he does do that. To the letter. <laughs> Everybody is shooting up all around him. And he, even when River comes back into the TARDIS, she's like, well, I hope he's not angry with me for that all that slaughter I just did really audibly. And he definitely knows I did. It's, there's not enough of a veil drawn there. No. He's a willing accomplice. Yeah. Uh, and this, I, I'm telling you, dude, they, they're changing the character of the Doctor in this episode. Oh, absolutely, yes. Right? Th- yeah. This is another one of those things. This is a super good observation, Jim the Fish. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, it, it, this is another example of it. Ugh. All right, hang on. Jim the Fish continues. This should be important for every major emotional arc they've had for the Doctor in New Who. Regret over time war, angst over turning people into weapons, issues surrounding weapons, etc. And it's completely glossed over and never mentioned again. Yeah, even in a double parter where they have twice the time. Yeah. Yeah, that is a huge omission. Yeah, but it also is a it, it, it's a discrep. There's a discrepancy in this regard between parts two and one. Yeah, as in I, I'm deliberately saying that in the wrong order. It's a, in part two, they have changed the character and his motivations to such a degree that it doesn't follow on from part one. Yeah, entirely congruously. I mean, yeah, and has he actually seen the silence kill anyone? Amy has. Has Amy actually told him that they killed Joy? Because she, she wouldn't have remembered. Yeah, exactly. She wouldn't have remembered. She couldn't get that out. Instead of trying to understand them and having them coexist with humans, like the Silurians, yeah. which they went to enormous pains to in cold blood, you're right. He just takes the shortcut. Nah, killing them's easier. But if I'm looking the other way, it doesn't count. Yeah, but these ones are creepy looking. Anyway. True, they're ugly. Yeah. Whereas the others, ha- their scales are so glistening and shiny. No, they're so aerodynamic and sensual. Uh, Jim the Fish concludes. He loved some elements. The silence were never done better, but there were way too many plot holes and forced outcomes. Ultimately, Jim probably gives it a two out of five. You know what? What? That's a really good rating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's probably not our Jim. Uh, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, the fish, awesome, awesome mini. Thank you so much. Uh, thought-provoking and welcome aboard. Welcome, welcome. Next up, we have Star Wars Sail, Star Wars Sail, Star Wars Sail. I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Star Wars Sail. Star Wars Sill begins. Hey guys, I absolutely love River's escape plan at the beginning of the episode and the Doctor's casual reaction to her leaping off a massive building. I can't help but wonder about the story surrounding the first time she did that. Yes. Mm. Serious kudos to the orphanage being ferociously creepy. (laughs) Though, I can't help but wonder why there was so much red paint available for all the writing on the walls. The walls aren't red, neither's the outside of the building. What happens when he runs out? Does he go down to the hardware store and get more? Presumably he didn't have an endless supply of red paint to begin with. Did the silence mind trick him into getting more paint? Because they just love the haunted house ambience. Oh, you know what? I'm coming around to this haunted house scene. Do you know what? I don't think it was him. I think it was the silence. They wanted to get rid of Dr. Renfrew. But he was was too... Well, they were saying, get out, leave, 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 (laughs) you know, to him. And he was just like, come 1969, that's when I go. And it's like, oh, for goodness sake. (laughs) They're they're talking to him. Go 
it's 1969. And he turns around and he's like, oh, still 1969. Just another day in 1967. <laughs> Summer of love. <laughs> Uh, Star Wars still continues. To have the words on every wall like that, there must be paint cans everywhere just waiting. (laughs) 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 Or maybe every time he saw Snoke, (laughs) Snoke, nice, he'd zip down to the basement to get a paint can from the stack. (laughs) Star Wars still concludes, in spite of the mystery of the paint... I am very fond of this episode, and the scene where River and the Doctor flirt over her intention to kill Silence is both adorable and very double standard of him. Mm. Ah, well, in the end, he'll try to brainwash one species into the entire wipeout of another species. Yeah, uncool, Doctor. <laughs> and Star Wars still concludes, I'm going to give this one a 4.3. I simply really love it, not gonna lie. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> still... Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. People who are not Star Wars Sill can follow Star Wars Sill online. Star Wars Sill is at Star Wars Sill. And that's it. That is it. Oh my goodness. That's it. Next up, the return of, I think, possibly, maybe a person who's made a, an appearance on Who Back When Before is going to make a little cameo appearance next time. What do you, what do you think, Drew? Do you think so? Ahoy! <laughs> It's the return of the pirates. I'm all up for chasing some tail. <laughs> Baby, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. <laughs> yeah, I may have seen that one coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the curse of the black sport. <laughs> Which I remember. Do you know? Vaguely. Do you now? <laughs> Sorry, that will become clear in a few months, podcast land. What I just did there. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 No. No. That Post-hypnotic drops. suggestion. I'm <laughs> incepting podcast land months in advance. Excellent. Excellent work. <laughs> <laughs> so that's on the new Who front, the classic Who front. Just because people are asking, we're still working out some kinks, but don't worry about it. Rest assured, we will return with classic Who reviews as well. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, in the meantime, people can follow you on Twitter, I believe, Drew. Indeed, at Drew Back When. And you may direct your non-telepathic hand flashlights at, at Ponkin as well and say hi to me. High five me online, I will high five you right back. Yeah, and assuming Marie recovers, you can write to her at whobackwhen at gmail.com. Yes, that's right. And, and at some indeed, point... Jim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been a lovely audience. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you in the next one. Rock on and cha-chao. Bye-bye. <laughs> Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha-chao.
Dark Wayne.